from the furthest to the nearest, from the smallest of the smallest to the greatest of the greatest. Yoga is about all of life, everything we do, all of existence. My name is James Bogue. Welcome to the Whole Life Yoga Podcast. Today I'm in Prague, Praha in the Czech. And as I'm in Prague, I thought I would do a Prague-themed episode. So the Czech name for this beautiful capital of Bohemia is Praha. And as I've been given to understand, one of the ways we can interpret or understand Praha, the Czech name for this city, is threshold or junction or crossing point. And yoga, of course, happens in the junction, happens at the threshold, happens in the, in the place where all these different pairs of opposites meet and gather so they can get to know each other and draw forth each other's complementary potential. Yoga happens in the middle. It integrates these different parts of existence. Now, Prague, I first came here more than 20, yeah, more than 20 years ago, and I was struck by how beautiful this city is. It's a very magical place with the Vltava River flowing through the middle of it. Quite beautiful buildings. You know, I'm not a great city lover. I have lived in cities at various points in my life, but I really like green and trees and the ocean. And I like walking on ground that goes up and down and circles and all of that. But Prague, I came, I've been coming here over the years uh, fairly regularly, but there was an interlude for mm, maybe three or four years during this time when travel was restricted. And when I came back, which must have been 2021, maybe, or 2022, um, and I was staying close to the river, I was like, wow, there's something very special about this city. But it's not the first time I've thought of that. Prague, as I mentioned, is very beautiful. And when one is visiting, and when one is not used to such beautiful places, it's easy, when wandering through the streets, to have one's gaze drawn here and there, up over by the beautiful architecture and some of the extraordinary visions that you can see. Just the other day, for example, I was walking across one of the bridges and I get a view of the Prague castle and there was this grey but full of light cloud hanging over the castle and it looked like rain's coming. And then these two and then three spectacular rainbows appeared. And one of them was like it was just ending right at the Narodny Divadlo, the National Theatre. I thought, maybe I better go. Um, maybe I will. But all this is to say, when walking along the streets of Prague, one's gaze can be attracted by beauty in so many different directions. But one has to keep one's wits about oneself, because like some other European cities, there is always the possibility that some not-so-conscientious dog owner has let, left something behind when they walked along the way, so you do need to keep a weather eye on the ground. But also, in recent times, one needs to keep one's wits about oneself to be alert to the possibility of a kolobishka whizzing along. What is a kolobishka? A kolobishka is a scooter. And in Prague now, there are these electric scooters that people can hire. 
So in some cities, like I know there are certain cities in England, for example, where they have these bicycles or electric bicycles that members of the public can borrow for a while. You can sign up to some scheme or you can pay on the spot and use a bicycle and then you can drop it at some other place to drop the bicycle. But these scooters in Prague, it seems like you can just kind of leave them anywhere. So on the street I'm staying in, I often see scooters just on this pavement. But last time I was in Prague, I'm walking along a street and there was this very beautiful, it was actually a church building, but it wasn't what I noticed before. And I'm looking up and as I look up, I suddenly become aware that I need to look somewhere else. And sure enough, I turn my head and racing towards me on the pavement, on the area supposedly for pedestrians, is some person on a kolobishka, a motorized electric scooter. So they're not scooting along with foot power. No, they've got the electric motor whirring along. And so they're coming along, I don't know, 30 kilometers an hour. And I have to jump out of the way. And I said to my friend, you must teach me the Czech phrase for kolobishkas are a menace. <laughs> and we had been talking about mythology because I was on my way to give a storytelling. And my friend mentioned that we have this story of Princess Kolobishka. And I said, oh, tell me about this story. And Princess Kolobishka is a character in Czech folklore who I then recognized when I heard about her is a character in broader European folklore because Princess Kolobishka is the smart young woman who knows how to find the way through by forging the middle path, we might say. So Princess Kolobishka gets given this riddle to solve or she has to fulfill these criteria where she has to go to a, she goes to go and meet the king and she has to be neither naked nor dressed neither fasted nor full. She has to go neither in the day or in the night, and she has to go neither on horseback nor on foot. And so she goes by Kolobishka. So she goes by scooter. So one foot is on the scooting device and one foot is on the ground. So she's neither on foot nor on horseback. And when my friend told me about this story, I realized, ah, this is just like one of the stories that I love in Italo Calvino's Italian folk tales is Fiave Italiane. And there is the story of La Contarina Furba, the clever countrywoman, who is, she's called Catarina, and she has to deal with the same situation. And the story of La Contarina Furba, the clever countrywoman, is very, very beautiful. And I would suggest that it is a yoga story because it tells us or it invites us into an appreciation of the meeting point of that space of yoga, where the seemingly opposed forces are brought into togetherness so they can meet and draw forth each other's complementary potential. Praha, the cross, the intersection, the place of dynamic equilibrium, where it's not that one force is favored and the other is discarded, just like the yin and the yang symbol. They can move in one way and the other, and we never go to one complete extreme we're always aware how if we want, for example, if we want to maintain yoga asana, the seat of yoga, the posture of yoga, the attitude of yoga, is described as being stira, meaning steady, and sukham, which often gets translated as easeful. So the seat of yoga, the seat of our awareness, that is yogic, is steady and easeful. Now, steadiness and easefulness engagement and relaxation, at first cursory glance, 
They can seem like opposed forces, but actually they are both needed if either of them is to come to its full potential. Because let's think about it for a moment. If I want to genuinely be steady, there has to be some easefulness, otherwise it won't be sustainable, so there's no real steadiness. And similarly, if something's going to be genuinely easeful, there has to be a certain steadiness, otherwise it's going to feel very tenuous and it's not going to feel secure enough to feel steady. So steadiness and easefulness, we couldn't have the one without the other. And so it is with all these pairs of opposites. Yoga seeks to harmonize them, to find the middle path, the path of balance, harmony and integration. So the story of Katarina, la contadina furba, her father is uh, working in his fields and he encounters something hard. He's digging in the soil. What's this? And he discovers a mortar, like from a pestle and mortar, and the mortar is made of gold. And he thinks, wow, this is fit for a king. I think I should take it to the king. Maybe he'll reward me. He goes back to his dwelling and his clever daughter, Katharina, is there. And he says, look at this, dear. I'm going to take it to the king. And Katharina says, well, you could take it to the king, but he's going to ask you where the pestle is. You know, it's all very well to have a lovely mortar, but without the pestle, you know. He's like, what do you mean? He's just going to be impressed with this beautiful golden thing. And Katharina says, oh, see, you see what he says. Anyway, the farmer takes the uh, mortar made of gold to the king's palace. The guards say, what are you doing? I've brought the king something very precious. Okay, in you go. And so he goes to see the king and he presents his beautiful golden mortar. And the king says, yes, the mortar is very fine, but it's missing the pestle. And the countryman, the farmer's like, just like she said. And the king, just like who said? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my daughter. I showed her this and she said, when I brought it to you, you would say just what you said. Yeah, a very fine mortar, but where's the pestle? And the king says, hmm, your daughter sounds like a very interesting young woman. I would like to meet her. And right now the farmer thinks, hmm, great. But then the king says something else. He says, yes, she sounds like she's a smart young woman. I want to see how smart she really is. So when she comes to meet me, let it be like this. May she be neither dressed nor naked. May she come neither by day or night, in the dark or the light. May she come neither fasted nor full. And may she come neither on foot or on horseback. Make sure she meets all of these criteria, or it'll be off with the, the two of yours heads. And the farmer's thinking, oh no, I just came to bring the, the king this beautiful golden gift and now it looks like you know, me and my daughter are in you know, mortal danger. So he goes home, you know, he's, half, he's, he's half dead himself, he's desperate with worry and he tells Katerina what the king has said. How does she respond? Super calm. Father, don't worry, <laughs> take it easy, breathe. Just go and get me a fisherman's net. No worries at all. I'll take care of it. So the father goes and gets the fisherman's net. And next morning, before the dawn, Katerina wakes up early. She gets out of bed and she puts on the fisherman's net. So she's neither naked nor dressed. It's before the dawn. She steps outside. She eats a flower. So she's neither fasted nor satiated. 
She starts wending her way. And how is she going to get there? She takes one of her goats and she gets onto the goat, sits side saddle, but the goat's not that tall. So one of her feet is on the ground and the other foot is resting across the body of the goat. And she arrives at the entrance to the palace and the guards think she's some crazy woman. But she says, no, 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 I've come on the explicit instructions of the king and I need to be let in now before it dawns. And they're like, okay, fair enough. They let her in and she is admitted into the king's chamber. He is summoned and when he sees her, he laughs. He's very pleased because she's managed to fulfill all of the criteria. And then the story goes on. He gives her more challenges, which she manages to uh, fulfill and display her great intelligence. And then the king eventually understands that she is more intelligent than him. And they do get married. There are more beautiful episodes, but this is the first part of the story. So Katharina is given these challenges, neither by day nor by night, in the, in the full light of day or in the deep dark of night, neither on foot or on horseback, or neither on foot or on a vehicle, and neither fasted nor full, neither naked nor dressed. And Katharina finds the way. And so this, I would suggest, is a yogic story. This is a story of Praha, of the place where different forces meet and integrate. Sometimes in life, we find ourselves facing an apparent riddle. We find ourselves in a situation where, if I go this way, that looks terrible. If I go that, no, that, that way, it looks just as bad. We find ourselves in a situation where the rules that we have relied on up to now are no longer adequate for the situation we find ourselves in. This is where the Bhagavad Gita begins. Arjuna, the student, he does not know what to do. He's there on the battlefield. He's a seasoned warrior. Arjuna, normally when he goes to the battlefield, he feels full of enthusiasm. He loves archery. It is his way of expression. It's his art form. And normally when he goes to the battlefield, he thinks he is fighting for all the things he holds dear. But this day, the day when the Bhagavad Gita is given, he goes to the battlefield and he sees on both sides, in both sets of armies, the people that normally he feels he's fighting for, to protect the people he's normally fighting to maintain their well-being. And they're on both sides. And he sees the men who are related to all the women that he normally feels he's also fighting for. So he does not know what to do. He finds himself in this situation. All the rules that I've operated by up to now, they're not quite adequate for the task at hand. So I need to look in a way that reaches wider, vaster, deeper, subtler, in the ways I've looked up to now. I need to look into the dark, into the unknown, into the depths. Maybe I need to look inside. And that is what happens in the Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna owns and admits that he does not know what to do. He expresses and explains why he feels so torn. And then he becomes silent. He does not run away. He becomes quiet. And in that quiet, Krishna, his teacher, begins to speak. And Krishna advocates the way of yoga, the way of integration. And the way of integration, again and again, means avoiding extremes and working pragmatically with what is. Finding the way to reconcile all these different forces of which we're constituted so we can come to a place of balance. And in that place of balance, perhaps find our way to the hub of the wheel. So in the midst of all the whirling wonder of life and the tumult 
or the battlefield. Find a place of inner quiet in which we can hear the whispers of conscience, the directives of the cosmic intelligence of which we are part, speaking clearly, advising clearly. And so Katharina, in the story of the wise, clever countrywoman, she is a woman, I would suggest, who knows what it means to live at 108 Bridge Street, Golden Capital of Bohemia. In other words, she knows how to live in the space of the cross, at the place of Praha, the place of the junction, the place of the threshold, the place of yoga, where seeming opposites meet and are reconciled so they can draw forth each other's complementary potential. So, Praha, golden capital of Bohemia. And I'm spending some time in Prague. Like I mentioned, I'm not so fond of the city. I like living in, being in places where I have more access to trees and ocean and things like that and hills and sky and a bit more wildness, let's say. But wherever I am, as a practitioner, student of yoga, I'm doing my best to live in the golden capital of Bohemia. What do I mean by that? Bohemia has these associations of creativity. I mean I'm doing my best to install into this home, the home of my bodily vehicle, the ways of living in that dynamic equilibrium so I can draw on my deeper intelligence and create and express myself in ways that cultivate deepening harmony within and without. Thank you. That's all for today. <laughs> and I would just mention before I stop recording and post this to YouTube and the other podcast platforms, if you're interested in exploring archetypal stories, yogic texts and teachings like the Bhagavad Gita, the Yoga Sutra, in much more depth and in a holistic way, a practical way, applied to all parts of life, please sign up for my newsletter. You can access it on my website, jamesbogyoga.com, and that's where you'll hear about all of the courses I'm doing in person and online in which we explore these texts in depth. So in online courses, we study the text, we study the stories in depth, and we take time to really consider them and apply them to the context of our own lives. And when it's an in-person program, then we will explore in lots of practical ways, with physical practices, embodied practices, with practices of dialogue and listening and counsel and circle and silence and meditation and song and movement and stillness. So that's the place to my newsletter to hear about all those programs and I do teach regularly online as well. I may also launch some online courses soon, but the newsletter is the best place to hear about all of those things. And if you enjoyed this, please share it. Please subscribe. Please give a five-star review if you feel so inclined. Thank you.